I'd like to ask you now to turn to the epistle of 1 Peter. We will continue there in the second chapter. First 12 verses. 1 Peter chapter 2. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This morning I suggested to you that really from the beginning of the epistle to this part is really, a, a, I, I see it as a unit discussing the broad and broad, very big topic of salvation. And the, the first section was really dealing on what I call the beauty of salvation, the glory of salvation in chapter 1, where it talks about us receiving his mercy, of receiving a living hope. Um, and, and it's talked to us about receiving something that even the angels longed uh, to look into, but, uh, from the Old Testament or, or to know how God was going to work out his great plan. And so then it went from there to this morning we, we, we looked at uh, the calling of this salvation, calling to be obedient, called uh, to, um, to be holy, and called to love one another. And if we just left it at there, uh, it's, it's, it says quite a bit to us, and we can, we can revel in the beauty of salvation, 
and we can we can meditate on what salvation coming to us has called us to do. But it would be incomplete if we just left it there. Because what is the purpose of it? And that's what I'd like you to just us to focus on for just a moment tonight. And let me give you a hint. It's not about you. And that's extremely hard for us to get in into our heads. If you noticed, it, it was kind of a reading through Isaiah. It talks about, you guys had four heads of brass. <laughs> you know? And it talks about, he, you know, if you're talking to someone with four head of brass, you know, it's pretty hard-headed. <laughs> it's, it's hard to get something across and through to them. And I don't think it's just me. I was a product of the 70s, that decade, in which the famous slogan, you deserve a break today, came along. That was 1971. The Equals Right Amendment, 1972. Don't let anybody mess with your rights. 1972, Roe versus Wade. Don't you mess with my body. It is my right to do what I want to do with it. How dare you think otherwise? And it's at the end of the 70s, but you know, the great army slogan, be all that you can be. And it's probably my generation or so that they my, my kids got the participation trophies because everybody deserves a trophy. You all did such a wonderful job. You're all so special. And I kind of give that because it just personifies how selfish we think. And it's embedded in our society and in our culture and our kids get it. Maybe, maybe it's gone a little ways, but I, I remember when some of my, my, from the littlest ages, they recognized those golden arches from afar. And they're thinking they need a, a break today. They deserve it. Because <laughs> we think life is about us. What are we going to get out of it? And who, who's doing it for me? And if we just left off at the first two passages on salvation, look what God has done for me. Look at the mercy and grace that I have received. Look at what I have been called to do. I must be special. But we come to this passage, and, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, okay? Because Nobody likes to think they're just a pawn on the chessboard. But we're lucky to even think we're pawns. We're just bricks in the wall. Sorry. <laughs> we're living bricks, though. <laughs> to do one thing. To proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into
to his marvelous light. That's your purpose. To understand that all that he has done for you is not for you, but to declare his glories and his excellencies, to sing his praises. A couple of ways that he, I'll, I'll just briefly kind of come to this, that, that he, he shares with us and, and, and that he exhorts us to do this. The first thing I have in your, in your program there is, uh, is, is, is to grow up. This morning we noted just how many children and, and uh, you've got you, uh, you, several very young, I mean, what, you've got uh, one, two or three days old, maybe only a couple of days old in the congregation. I've seen announcements of infants in the last two or three, in the last month, you've got like some just brand spanking new babies and they are just so fun to watch and and isn't it amazing how within a week or two of, of a newborn they change so quickly you can almost just watch them daily and and just stare at them and just see the change and our young kids you know they from one to two it's just a, a remarkable the changes we see in them that's a natural thing, isn't it? For a little one to grow up. And I don't think it's by accident that we are often and commonly referred to in, in the scriptures, scriptures as children. Little ones. I know we like to think a lot of ourselves, but the scriptures tell us don't think more of yourself than you ought. And, and really, in God's eyes, you know, I couldn't help. I was driving home, and I was thinking the, of, um, of, of kids dropping crumbs on the floor. <laughs> and I couldn't help but think, you know, I'm nothing but a child dropping crumbs on the floor sometimes to God. And I need to grow up spiritually. And how do we grow? He points them to, to the basic staple the word of God. And so we have to, to grow up and, and in order not to starve ourselves, we have to be people of the word. And there's several ways to be people of the word. One is to, to just read it. Uh, then we may want to study it. We may as reading there come across something we're just concerned about, we're puzzled about, we don't understand. And so we maybe need to read more and, and do more in-depth study. And then something that I think is kind of a, a lost uh, kind of thing that we've been told to do is meditate on the word. I don't know if you like to, I like to hike. We, My wife and I, we take, take our pups out and and uh, take them for walks. Great time just to meditate on a passage of scripture or on, a, on, on the grace of God, the mercy that he's given to us. But regardless, we need to grow up. Otherwise, when we come across these things as we talked about this morning that we're called to do, to be obedient, we'll misunderstand it. We'll think it is a checklist and we'll approach it that way because it takes the word of God and understanding it to understand how Jesus, what he meant to be obedient to him. 
or what it means to be called to holiness or what it means to love. Do these things come naturally for us? Or are these things that come with maturity and growing spiritually through the word? So that's important. But then the other thing that, the, the, that Peter draws us to here is that we not only need to grow up, we need to understand we need to be built up. And this is where it gets to our passage in a bigger context. Because we are stones, but it calls us living stones. But there's only one way you become a living stone, and that's if you are connected to the living stone, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And, and here we see a marvelous thing start to happen. Because again, you are saved individually. And you have callings individually. But we come corporately to accomplish the person purpose for which we've been saved. And that's where it says that Jesus Christ, the stone that the builders rejected, has become the stump, the, the cornerstone. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey. The word is they were destined to. And then we have one of these uh, great buts in the scripture. But you, those who receive Christ as the cornerstone and have received mercy, who have received salvation, it talks about something much bigger than us happening on a grand scale and that now you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people that's plural for his own possession throughout the scriptures we talk about Jesus Christ being our prophet, our priest, and our king. And this passage very explicitly points to how he accomplishes those things. By calling us together, when, when Jesus came, he, he announced the kingdom of God. He announced people to come and repent, uh, confess their sins, uh, to receive salvation. He, he said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. He fulfilled the prophetic role of, of bringing people to God. His own life was sacrificed. You, you go through the, the epistle of the Hebrews, and you see repeatedly how Jesus has become our high priest, our mediator. And we also read repeatedly of and even Pilate said, so you think you're king? He said, I am, but not of this world. He declared his kingship. And so we have the Lord Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. 
our prophet, our priest, our king. But what he does, even though we have been saved individually, is gather us together collectively. I'm a fan of certain types of art. A couple of pieces of art that I, I kind of in, intrigued with. Um, I'm, I'm, perhaps I mentioned earlier, I, I, I taught school in Cyprus and some of the, the Greek mosaics, the old uh, mosaics that are found in that part of the world, I really enjoy. And, uh, so, but, and, and what I enjoy about them is if you look at them very closely, and I mean real up close, they may not look like much at all. I mean, really, what is it? It's just a little rock. And the color of it, the, the shape of it, may not seem like anything at all to you. But someone had in mind that they could put together about a million of these little rocks and you step back and you see kind of an impressive design. Another kind of form of art I, I uh, appreciate a little bit is like a stained glass window. Kind of on the same scale. If you, if you get up close, what is it? It's nothing but a shard of glass. Maybe a little bit more because the, the artist behind it or the creator behind it, kind of like those stones, has some polishing to do with it. But really it puts all of these rough edges of glass, of stone, and puts them together and it creates a beautiful work of art. And that's what we see. And, and what is that art to do? do we, we, if you've seen somebody who's, who goes to a museum and they see perhaps one of the more famous pieces of art that's ever been created. Do they give glory to the canvas? This is just a magnificent canvas. Do they give credit to a particular color or is it the artist, the masterpiece in which they sit back and they uh, give awe and wonder to how they were able to put all of this together to create such a unique and beautiful form of art. That's what we do, isn't it? And we, as God's people, stones, ponds, sharp pieces of glass, have all been put together to create a glorious body. Individually, you may not feel like much. You may not see where you fit in all the time. But there's other passages of Scripture that talk about just how important every part of the body is. And why we have elders, why we have deacons. And there is none who God has called and saved who are insignificant in his sight, or to the body. And why? So that we can give praise and glory to the one who has put us together. 
Revelation 19 is a favorite chapter of mine. And as it's, it's going there, it's giving us a picture of heaven. Because we've all talked about how we've been called uh, or, or from darkness into his marvelous light. And there's this picture, and it says in Revelation 19, of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality, and has avenged her on the blood of his servants. And once more they cried out, Hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. From the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. And then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord, our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. The word does never give us the impression that life as a believer is going to be always easy. That's why he, he calls on them repeatedly, and we see it in this passage as well, to put away deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. We're a lot of times doing war within ourselves. And then he uh, closes the passage, abstain from the passions of, passions of the flesh, Wage war against that which wage against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And he refers to them as exiles. So which implies they're going through difficulty and challenging times. How many times do we let that stuff go? take the focus of our life. There's challenges. Life is not always easy. But we're called to have another picture in front of us that keeps us moving, keeps us going forward, and not only causes us to keep moving like, oh, I'm just going to plug on another day, but causes us to realize that there is something so great and surpassing in wonder that we can't even picture it. Revelation kind of gave, is trying to give us a little bit. But that we have the opportunity while we're here on this earth to be the picture of heaven to a world that is hurting. We are as close as it's going to be on this earth to presenting Christ to the world. Not by elevating ourselves, 
but by elevating the one who has called us, the one who has redeemed us, the one who is our cornerstone, the one in whom we come together and understand once we were a people who had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Once we were not the people of God, now we are the people of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. For he has won victory over his enemies. And he is securing your salvation and mine until he redeems us and takes us to be with him in glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us a picture, we pray, of your glory that we may indeed learn ever more to praise your excellencies. Build us up, we pray, so that when the world looks at the picture of your church and of this congregation, even though they may want to say bad things about us, because they say you, their mouths will be shut and your name would be glorified. Lord, you work ways in ways that we don't understand, but we thank you for that. For we are too often hard-headed in the way we want to accomplish or do things. Help us to submit to you, to your word. Again, Lord, that we may grow up and be built up into the people you would have us be here on this earth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.